Well, when we read that verse, you know, it really gets me thinking. Should we simply never make plans? Maybe, is it sinful to plan on something? Well, what many people mean, in my opinion, when they say that they're planning on doing something, is really that they... What is up, everybody? Welcome back to An Average Account of Exceptional Things. My name is Chandler, and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. But before we get into the episode, I first want to stop and say an enormous thank you to everyone listening. We have officially crossed 350 downloads all time, which is an incredible milestone. And I hope that the content shared through this podcast is a blessing as well as an inspiration to dig deeper into God's Word and to put it into practice. Now, this topic today is one that is very near and dear to my heart, and I feel that it is one that is very applicable in a practical way for every single Christian. It's applicable in all stages of life, whether you're younger, planning for college or life after college, maybe you're planning for children or within your family. Perhaps it's even planning for retirement. Regardless, we all make plans for the future, and that's why I think that this is such a wide-reaching episode. Now, I've mentioned in the past that I have a good friend who will often say, well, Lord willing, I'll be there. He won't say that he will be there. He doesn't like to say that he's planning. He'll say, Lord willing. And... That comes directly from the verses that I'm about to read. Now, I'm not saying we all have to walk around replying, Lord willing, to everything, although it is incredibly accurate, but more on that later. First, let's get right into the scripture. So, what does scripture have to say about planning? Well, the first set of verses that I want to read today comes out of James chapter 4. It's going to be verses 13 through 16. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So the key point here is this. One, that we should not have the false conception that we are in control of our future. When in fact, God not only knows it, but he is also sovereign over it. And secondly, we're not guaranteed that we will even see tomorrow. Now we can take care of ourselves physically, we can try to stay in a safe environment, but ultimately, we don't have the power over whether we live or die. Only God has that power, and to pretend that we do is simply prideful. In some ways, it's actually a lot like what we discussed just a couple weeks ago in our episode about judgment. When we elevate ourselves to that level to try to fill God's shoes in our lives, we are not only being prideful, we are putting ourselves in the place of the Lord, 
which is outright ridiculous. Now we can see this as well in James chapter 5, just a little bit later in the book. This is going to be James chapter 5, verse 12. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Here again, it's emphasized. Do not swear or don't give an oath because ultimately we don't have the power to fulfill that. So why would we say that we do? Now, how many of you have ever had a day where something didn't play out exactly as you planned it? Or when something happened that was unexpected? Yeah, me too. Literally every single day of my life. And I think that this speaks to the truth that our plans and our predictions for the future are ultimately pretty flimsy because we can't know what tomorrow holds. Now next, I want to read another verse. This is going to be out of Proverbs chapter 19. It's going to be verse 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. The truth is, we may as well shake up a magic eight ball and look to it for guidance for our plans, because when we approach this from a big picture perspective, our plans are simply intentions rooted in speculation and it's not even well-informed speculation at that now in contrast things don't only happen exactly as god knows they will they also happen exactly as he wants them to because god is not only all-knowing but also all-powerful here's an example from my own personal life to illustrate this some time ago i was going on a, a camping trip with a few friends of mine we were just going to spend a night or two out in the woods. And we had traveled a little ways to get to this destination, and then something unexpected happened. I won't get into the details, but it was something that we had prepared for, and ultimately it still caught us off guard. But the end result is that we couldn't make it on that trip. We couldn't be where we planned to be when we planned to be there. But looking back, we were actually exceptionally grateful that we weren't where we planned to be when we planned to be there because a terrible storm rolled in just an awful bout of inclement weather and it just so happened that the area that was hit the hardest was the area where we would have been staying that evening now i'm not talking just inconvenient weather i mean outright hazardous weather i know that god was looking out for my group that day and I think if a lot of us look back on our lives, we can see many instances where the Lord has done something similar. But how does a biblical approach to planning impact the life of a Christian? This is really the nuts and bolts of this topic, so to speak. Well, when we read that verse, you know, it really gets me thinking. Should we simply never make plans? Maybe is it sinful to plan on something? Well, what many people mean, in my opinion, when they say that they're planning on doing something, is really that they intend to do it. Now you may be thinking, well, yeah, duh, what else would it mean? But I think that that's a very important way to view it. That when you plan on something, 
you are intending to do that thing. Here's an example. I plan to go to work tomorrow. Now, I don't see any reason why it's likely that I wouldn't wake up tomorrow. And assuming that that happens, I intend to go to work because that's where my standing commitment lies on a weekday at that time. Now, in this example, any number of those things could break down. I may get a call informing me that I've been fired, at which case, I definitely won't be going to work. Or I may wake up sick and have to call in because I'm unable to go to work. I may not even wake up tomorrow. The intention is to go to work, and this is built on a nearly endless number of assumptions. And so that's the important part here. We have to recognize this for what it is. These are intentions. Now, this doesn't mean that we should never say we plan to do something, but it is very important that we don't pretend that we have the power to solidify our intentions into existence of our own accord. And we can see this illustrated in those very verses in James chapter 4. These people are boasting and saying that they will do these things from a place of pride in order to build themselves up in the eyes of others. That's exactly what it means to be boastful. Now, in verse 15, we can see in contrast to this an approach that voices what they hope to do. But most importantly, it still recognizes that the Lord has the power to shape what will actually unfold. And this is the point that I think is so important for us. It's okay to have intentions. I would say it's normal and healthy to have intentions for the future, but we can't elevate those and give them more power than they actually have, which in fact is almost no power. In this way, I think that we should be wise in preparing for what the future might hold, but we should do so with an open hand, so to speak. For anyone who's not heard this analogy of the open hand, it generally refers to gifts that we've been given or blessings we've received from God. And the idea is this. When the Lord blesses you with something good, don't hold it in a tight, closed fist, just grabbing on with everything you've got. Recognize that that is a gift. So you hold it in an open hand, and you enjoy it, and you're thankful for it. But also with the understanding that it is a gift comes the understanding that because the Lord gave it, he can also take it away. And that's where the open hand comes in, because he can remove it freely, and you are showing that willingness and that understanding that the gift is his to begin with, and so he can give it and take it away freely. And so when we approach it with an open hand, we're approaching it so that we are not only understanding of the reality that God has the power over the future that we do not, but we're also approaching it with a willingness and a readiness to trust him during those times that things don't go in our lives quite the way that we predicted that they would. And so this leads us into a question and a concept that I think is also very helpful to us in an applicable day-to-day sense. And the question is this, how can we live in such a way today so that it will serve as an investment in the future? 
Now, in many instances, simply living today in accordance to God's commandments leaves us adequately prepared for the future. And this is something that I believe wholeheartedly. For starters, we build the most valuable thing that we can have when facing uncertainty, and that's faith. But even moving forward from that in discussion, we could use finances as an example. I think that this is a very tangible one. For this, we'll look at verses from Proverbs chapter 27, specifically verses 23 and 24. Know well the condition of your flocks, and give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure to all generations. And so when I read these verses, it's apparent that we should be good stewards of what God has given us financially, regardless of how much or how little that may be. And so there's an interesting relationship here. If the Lord calls you to give to someone else in need, we should trust that he will provide our needs. However, it is also not sinful to live within your means and to be frugal either. I think that the important part here is that we shouldn't recklessly squander what God has blessed us with for our own selfish or temporary desires. And we can see this behavior illustrated in the parable of the prodigal son, who leaves with his portion of the inheritance and squanders it on riotous living and then ends up with nothing when he returns to his father. And so in this sense, I think that we are all called to be good stewards of whatever God blesses us with. In a material sense, however, we can see that by simply honoring God and being a responsible steward of our finances, we can also often achieve more long-term financial security. And through that, we may have more resources in the future to help other people in need. Here's another example. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, Scripture shows us time and time again the importance of working to lift up children and to raise them in a way that is glorifying to God. And here we see once again the actions of the present going hand-in-hand hand with outcomes in the future, right? The first half of that verse, train up a child in the way he should go. That's a present action. That is a present command, if you will. And then the second portion, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is showing the future outcome. But regardless of what the future holds and the details of that, that child will be better off for a strong upbringing when compared with a weak upbringing. And the same is true even outside of raising a child for us and ourselves in our personal study of God's Word. And so I think this relationship between living today in accordance to God's commandments and being prepared for the future is a truly wonderful thing. Because there's no longer an importance on how accurately we predict the future. Because once again, ultimately, all those predictions, all those intentions are built on a mountain of assumptions that could fall apart at any moment. And it's not about how good our plans are. 
All we need to focus on is living each and every day to glorify the Lord. Because we can't know what our future holds, or even how much farther it endures. And so as we start to come to the close of the episode, I want to offer a few final thoughts to you. I'd like to leave you with one more passage of scripture, and though it is one that I feel is quoted quite often, I think that it's particularly relevant in this case. This is going to be a larger chunk from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now I know it isn't quite customary to end with such a large passage of scripture, but this sums up the topic so nicely. It's so difficult not to worry, and I know some people listening may even be chronic worriers, myself included at times. But these verses show something that is truly comforting for us. God provides everything according to his perfect will. And I found, as time goes on, I feel a lot more confident in God's plan for my life than my plans for my own life. You may have noticed it even there. God's plan, singular. My plans, multiple, countless, endless plans. And that speaks once again to this fact. Ultimately, we can't build our lives on something as flimsy as our own plans. But there is something much more solid we can build our lives on and our hope for the future. And that is the promise of God. Because the Lord not only knows the future, he is also the author of it. So with all that said, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of An Average Account of Exceptional Things. And until next time, encourage one another, love your enemies, and count your blessings. Mm-hmm.